Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And good day and welcome to the call. 10 stocks picked by you two experts. One hour. I'm Andrew Gagan. Great to have you with us. Uh, joining us on the show today, uh, Rudy Philip at Van Dyke from FN Arena and Mark Morland from Team Invest. Guys, welcome to you on this Tuesday. Of course, uh, all eyes on the states at the moment. Uh, you know, we've got inflation read a bit later in the week, but um, midterms tonight, is that going to have a great bearing, do you think? For markets, I guess if the Republicans actually do turn out to perhaps take control of both houses, uh, well, it's impossible to say. Let's say they do; they do get uh, control of both houses. Will the market go up or down? Up, probably up. But mm. it's it's yeah. The thing is, weird things happen, doesn't it? Mm. Yeah, they, it depends on expectations as well. I suspect it'll go up, but that probably means that nothing much will happen in the US, and it'll be very difficult for the Dems to do any of their agenda. Because they'll all, you know, they're not going to be able to get anything through, and the Republicans are going to try and do stuff, and then Biden will use his veto and so on. So you could argue that's a good thing. When well, governments po- can't do policy much. paralysis, in other words, yeah, it's yeah, gridlock. It's, sometimes um, it's better than an ambitious policy. Well, program. yeah, potentially for the next two years, I guess, yeah. and that would rein in spending. Um, you know, Biden's agenda would be junked essentially, wouldn't it? Yes, but it can be a case of uh, be careful what you wish for. Mm. Um, I think markets, and that's why I think we're rallying. I think the markets is taking the view that if it's if it's paralysis in the White House and in the Parliament there, nothing happens there. Eh? We like status quo. Um, but I think uh, at some point you, 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 might, you might have to, you, you probably get a f- freeze on anything from spending to extra support, whatever, because the Republicans are hell-bent on making life difficult for this president. So you, get, you can get the negatives later onwards. And I still, I still think that, um, I mean, People are getting excited because they simply look at history and, and usually the stats tell you that midterm elections usually are followed by a positive response, in mm. particular if it's yep. divided parliament. However, uh, usually you don't get a recession just lurking around the corner. And this mm. time we will have one. Um, and that I think will, will, still, will still play. And we still have, we still have the, the big reset in, in, uh, in earnings forecasts. Yes, has to happen next yep. year. So it's not that straightforward. Right? It's a short term versus medium term. Yeah, nothing straightforward. Uh, so much for a bit of clarity for investors who are trying to find their way forward at this point. All right, let's, uh, let's take a look at the stocks we're going to be looking at in the first half hour. Macquarie, Telstra, Westpac, NAB, so a couple of big banks to, uh, to focus on, and Australian Financial Group. Our stock of the day... James Hardy, the materials uh, supplier, has cut its earnings forecast for FY23 for the second time. It's expecting weakened housing demand for the remainder of the fiscal year with labour shortages and unfavourable weather constraining the market domestically. Now expects net income between 650 and 710 million US dollars. It's also uh, going to buy back shares of up to 200 million dollars through to October next year. Net income for the quarter hitting uh, close to 176 million up from last year, but well below expectations. And as far as its share performance today, well, it has been hit hard, as you can see, it sold off dramatically 
off almost 14%. So, Rudy, um, interesting way forward then, particularly, I guess, it's also got to focus on that renovation market, which, what I guess, has some resilience as far as the economic cycle is concerned. So, how are you seeing the way forward? Well, let's start with the positive news. Um, This is, um, by many people regarded as potentially, probably, the the, the highest quality cyclical we have on the stock exchange. And it might be competition with the likes of BHP, but nevertheless, it's I mean, it's it's a it's a quality company, quality management. The product, I mean, we did some renovation at home. I have the product at home. <laughs> I can I can bring you a piece if you want. Uh, it's it's a beautiful product. They're still, I mean, increasing their market share globally, whatever. We always knew that Europe was going to be weak because I mean, uh, if, if there's one region for recession, it's the UK and Europe. Um, the surprise today, however is that uh, it's, not, it's not Australia, it's the US, where basically the, the volumes are lower and, and, and uh, cost inflation. I mean, it's really costing them on the, on the cost. They, c- they can't keep the costs contained. Um, those are very big disappointments. And the question now is, of course, is this, is this a forebearer of, of more difficult times ahead? Um, because in particular in Australia, for example, um, analysts who cover the building industry here are for the time being convinced that price falls in, in properties do not correspond with a, a drop off in demand for, for construction and, and for building products. Now, that, this seems to be a different story in the US. So I would say, um, second profit warning, bad news usually comes in three. Uh, risks too high here, I think, unless, I mean, if you're sitting on, 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 uh, on the stock here and you don't want to sell at a loss or whatever, Ultimately, a company like, like uh, James Hardy, they will get their act together and the cycle will turn and stuff like that. But the, op- the offset of that is it might take a while. You might have to wait uh, six months or longer. Um, so I would definitely not jump on here because for me, the question marks are too high. And at the end of the day, it still is a cyclical. Um, but I would, I can see the, the, the rationale where you go like, well, I mean, at some point this, this becomes a buy and, and the cycle will turn for them. Um, but not for me at this point in time. I would I would not buy here. All right, but if you're too much quest, too many question marks. But if you're holding, I mean, I can yep. see the rationale. They they pay a dividend. They're going to support their their share price by buying in their own stock. But you may have to be patient. I, w- I would I would not sell here. Yeah. Because I mean, the losses are, are what they are, and this is this might well be the low for a while. All right. Mark, where are you focus on locally, the US, Well, that's Europe. the trouble is you can't because the business is a multinational business. Yeah. And, and that actually makes it problematic from a shareholder point of view because there's, there's a lot of moving parts. This is a complicated business. I, I tried to read the, the report yeah. this morning and I, started, and I started glazing over it because mm. you have to concentrate because it talks about <laughs> each market. There's clearly a significant impact of inflation mm. in their costs. Their costs are going up, wages are going up, and they haven't been able to push that through into sales. Now, maybe that's because of existing contracts, I suspect. Doesn't mean they can't get uh, absor- uh, get the inflation charged out, but they were actually they dropped part of the reason their earnings were adjusted was because they had inflationary impacts on their cost structure. Mm. So going forward, that might not be a problem. But we've talked about this before on the show, and it is a real risk for businesses on can they mm. uh, get the inflationary cost inputs charged onto their clients or not. And if they can't, then it's a big problem. The, it's a quality company. I, I agree with uh, I agree with Rudy. It's got a very good return on equity. It's over thirty percent. 
um, return on capital is over 20, which are outstanding. Um, if you look at its growth rate over time, I'm looking at a 10-year graph, they've averaged about 13% EPS growth rate over the last six years with pretty good stability, even for a cyclical, that's good. So uh, we're showing it returning on a margin of safety if it continues, forget about what they just announced, if it just continues doing what it's been doing on average, mm. uh, about 8% a year mm. on safety and up to 20% on default if things go well. Mm. Um, so there's nothing wrong with that. So. Mm -hmm. I agree, I wouldn't sell it. It's paying about a 2.8% uh, dividend. They're doing a $200 million share buyback, which to me, I don't think the share price is that low that that makes it a bargain. It's on a 24 PE at the moment, which is not low, but it's in its green. So James Hardy typically has a range of uh, 20, 15 to 40, so it's, it's quite a broad range. So at the moment it's in the bottom quartile, which at 24, which is still pretty high. So there's PE contraction potential if interest rates keep going up as well. So that's there. I look at it and say, what do I think on balance? Does it have more headwinds or tailwinds going forward? Because the cyclical business in different markets at different times, we've got a lot of rebuilding, uh, building still booming in the US, but you could probably argue the US is probably at the top of the cycle. So that's not good. So it's already it's already had its good times there. Australia, we've had lots of floods and stuff. So plenty, you know, look, I think James Hardy will be fine in the long term. 14% uh, off today is pretty significant. If you like the business, that's probably not a bad entry point to buy it, but uh, it's not a team invest one. We've never actually voted it up. How about, how about longer term, you speak of housing? Five years. Uh, the, uh, the government wants to build a million homes. Um, immigration rate's gonna go up, or is that too far in the future? No, no, no not on a fight. that's the thing. It, the market reacts like, they came out with a profit downgrade, so the 14% came off the share price. So there was more sellers than buyers, true, today. Yep. So was that an overreaction? Who knows? Mm -hmm. uh, probably. Mm. Um, and you're right, there's lots of things happening, but there's lots of moving parts. So I'd have to look at it and say, overall, am I more confident in the next few years for James Hardy to say it's a good buy now? Maybe, right? It's not, it doesn't look bad on our multiples, so it's not expensive. Uh, but look, for me, I would be a pass. So I'd say hold yep. if I had it. All right. I think one of the things to take home here is I think <clears throat> we're going to see a lot of that between now and February. The cost inflation is, of mm. course, a big challenge for a lot of Australian companies. And this is, in, investors tend to think about only in top line growth, like the sector is doing well, they're, they're selling their product. But if, if, if the bottom up cost inflation is a problem, then a lot of companies will disappoint between now and February. All right, so that is our stock of the day, uh, James Hardy, a hold from both. Let's get into the stocks as picked by you. The first one, the big investment bank, Macquarie. Uh, Killen wanting to know about this. Um, so Mark, shares are down around 15% to date this year. Uh, does have, I mean, you look at its exposure to structural growth areas, I guess that's a positive at the moment, uh, given its variety of businesses. So how do you see... Macquarie. Macquarie. Macquarie has been a very good long-term performer and it's, it's been significantly better than the major banks. <laughs> so you can say, well, it's not like the major banks, which is fair comment, but um, it's still a bank. <laughs> so, uh, and we're going to look at uh, NAB and Westpac. So I would prefer Macquarie <laughs> over those two if I had a choice. At the moment, it's in the low black of its PE range, which means it's, it's about 30% up on, on its range. Um, and the current price, not counting today, but... Uh, um, oh, it's on a P of 14 and at $168 yesterday. So it's, it's pretty well the same. Yeah. We're showing it returning between 4 and 16%. So the reason I'm saying that range is our margin of safety calculations are 4 and our default means the more, you know, the more likely one, but not conservative, is 16, which is good. 
And Macquarie's growth rates averaged about 10% with high stability over the last six years. So it's got a, it's got a history of, uh, of making money, let's put it that way. They've been good at that and they seem to be able to zig and zag with changes of opportunities within the market. And I think we're going into quite volatile times whereby there's going to be a lot of opportunities. And I think that will suit Macquarie. I think they will be able to find lots of ways to make money over the next five, ten years. So I, I, I think it's, uh, I'll, I'll say, probably a buy. Probably a buy. You're not convinced, but you're looking at the longer term. Well, the reason I'm saying not a buy, because we, a team invest, we haven't actually, uh, it, it's a company we've, we've put in the too hard basket. And the reason we put it in the too hard basket, it's very difficult to analyze the business on what they really do and how they make their money. Mm. You know, it's a bit like you've got to trust the management. And, and by the way, that has been a good thing because mm. the management have performed, but don't really ask too many questions about how they make their money because they're dealers. They're, you know, they'll, they'll yeah. do deals and they're opportunists and I respect that. And they're also very highly incentivized to do the deals and get paid. That's why they call it the millionaire factory, yep. not for nothing. So I think it's pretty good. Rudy. Um, I usually am not a big fan of buying companies because of management or culture on its own. Um, but for Macquarie, I would, make, I would make the exception. I think Macquarie, West Farmers, uh, those are the type of companies that you actually, you actually back corporate culture and management, I think, and track record. Um, Macquarie is, is essentially an asset manager. It's now, it's now in the top five, I believe, of the world. Um, and it has a lot of uh, moving parts to it. it. I mean, it trades commodities, it, it helps commodity companies, it has a green bank in the UK, etc., etc. And it helps, obviously, it invests and helps companies coming to the market. Nobody mentioned Newix in this, in this, uh, this uh, uh, framework. Um, so I would, so I would be, my problem a little bit, I mean, I'm a, I'm a shareholder. I mean, uh, if that's not obvious, um, and I'm, I mean, those are the companies you, you want to back in your, in your long-term portfolio. Um, having said so, the share price is down for, for a well particular reason. It's, very, it's more difficult for them to make the same amount of profits from the previous year if markets get this volatile and, 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 and globally markets are down and, and much tougher to, uh, to navigate. Um, but there's maybe an argument to make that that's by now in, in the share price, maybe. Um, you, you, you back Macquarie because, as Mark said, they, they'll, they'll find a way to, uh, to limit the downside and find new avenues. And they're, if anything, they're always um, future focused, um, even if they would have a bad year uh, along the lines, which may, may well be this year. Um, the long term should still be, I mean, be profitable for shareholders. The only reason why you wouldn't buy Macquarie or own Macquarie is if there's a, another global financial crisis coming. Um, I think while we have recessions next year, I don't think we will see a global financial crisis. So in that scenario, which we've seen after the global financial crisis, Macquarie share price can fall a lot. Mm. Uh, but I don't think that's on the horizon at this point in time. So I, I would, um, given the uncertainty, I would actually suggest if people don't own it yet, to, to buy a small parcel and see how we go over the months ahead. If the share price drops, you can buy more at a cheaper price. If the share price gains, well, you, you already have your gains on your parcel. You can decide whenever you add some more. But I wouldn't go full in here because um, it is well possible that while the share market now is in a positive mood, mm. uh, on the other side of, uh, of Christmas, we might get a lot of volatility again. And, and next year is when we will have economic recessions hitting data and markets. All right, that sounds a pretty similar call to Mark with the thoughts of small is buys. Two, is that two buys? Yeah, yeah. I believe yeah. So. Two modest buys. I agree yeah. with the modest buys. That's good. That's <laughs> yeah. a, I, like, I agree with yeah. that. Yeah. yeah, modest buys. Okay. It's not an all-in. It's not back to truck up. Yeah. No, exactly. <laughs> it was, by the way, after the GFC. 
Yeah, yeah. sure not. I bought a whole heap. As soon mm -hmm. as the uh, Reserve Bank guaranteed their Macquarie, mm -hmm. oh. uh, I bought a whole heap and I mm -hmm. kept them up to $50. I should have kept yeah. them. Yeah, because Mark, Mark, <laughs> Mark earlier said it's not really comparable to, to NAB and, and, and Westpac, for example. But yeah. Macquarie is the challenger in the mortgage markets. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They invested in, in, in technology and they are the ones taking market share away from, from the big guys. Yeah? So while it's not a typical bank, it still competes there. Yeah, you only have to listen to their ads. They're really having a crack at the retail yeah. market at the yeah, moment, absolutely. aren't they? Yeah, credit cards. Yep. And, and they are the ones with the technology. Yeah. All right, let's move on to Telstra. Uh, in fact, it's now not Telstra Corp anymore, it's Telstra Group. And I guess it's reflecting its sort of st structural change there of what, because it's servicing Servco, Infraco, Amplitel, Telstra International. Mm. Um, so what that's... Um, Does it also have a group called Disappointment and Previous Disappointment? Okay, well you're, you're going there then. Um, Rudy, okay, give us well, your thoughts on Telstra. For, for good measure, I am a shareholder and, and in, in my portfolio construction I always allocate uh, part of the portfolio to, to income, to, to dividend paying uh, companies and, and Telstra is in there for one particular reason, they are selling off assets. Mm. And, and when they're selling off assets, and they've sold uh, a whole tranche uh, either earlier this year or last year, and, and, and the next uh, set of assets is, is going to be on the block uh, probably next year. That supports the share price. It also guarantees you that they're not going to cut their dividends, and they actually increased their dividend this year much quicker than anyone expected, and they might actually do so in next year or the year, the year after as well. Having said so, um, it's not a fantastic business. I mean, it just isn't. I mean, like, if you look at the share price graph since listing in '98, it's it's basically going down. Right? And there's a reason for that. The business has constantly been on, 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 on under pressure and constantly disappointed, no matter who was in charge. Now, in that period, like at this period, sometimes tougher economic times, uh, dividend uncertainty across the market. When you have a, a situation where they are selling assets and their mobile operations are less under pressure because of lacks of Optus now have problems, um, that can sometimes be quite a nice defensive strategy. For that reason, I actually own the stock, and I think for that reason, you can buy Telstra and and reap in the dividends and have a protective to protection to the downside because a lot of other stocks may not have that when volatility hits. I don't think it's overly expensive here. I also don't think, um, just like many of the Australian banks, I don't think they are fantastic investments per se, mm. but as a defensive strategy and you want, you want to have the income, it's also franked. At this point in time, you might actually see an extra bonus coming from the proceeds of the asset sales as well. So uh, for that reason, I think you can buy it. All right. Um, Mark, further to that point Rudy was making there, given its major competitor there, Optus, and I was reading on the figure, I think it was saying 20% of uh, Optus uh, customers are looking to change. Is, is that likely to benefit Telstra, do you think? Oh, I suppose it has to. Yeah. <laughs> so Telstra, Telstra's still the, the whale. Mm. You know, so that if, if there's any change, they're going to get more, they're going to get more than um, TPG, say. Mm. Uh, whether they'll get their share or not is moot. Mm. Um, I'm sort of off Telstra these days. I shifted to Vodafone, so I wouldn't ever go back to Telstra. <laughs> anyway, um, as a business, the problem is what Rudy said was all fair and true, um, but they've been, they've been in long-term decline. So the reason the share price has gone down, if you look at it, I was looking at the share price over time, and if you owned it back in um, 
uh, where we priced it. it was, if you owned it back in 2015, it was $6.74. It's now $3.90. So it's gone down about 40% over the, over the years. So you're losing your capital value. And that's been pretty consistent. It and if ha- you, has been at $2.74. Yeah, it's been lower. <laughs> I, don't, I know, it's even worse. Yeah. Uh, now, if I look at earnings, that's what the earnings have done. The earnings have yes. gone from, if you go back to 2014-15, earnings were $0.38 cents per share. Now they're $0.21. Cents. So it hasn't fallen off a cliff. Dividend it, used to be 32 cents. Yeah, so it's oh. in it's in term, or well, say terminal, but it's in long-term mm-hmm. decline. Mm-hmm. And our, our forecast, based on its history, is that uh, EPS growth rate will be negative, or it's average negative 10, 10.1% per year, with good stability, by the way, <laughs> over the last six years. So in other words, Telstra's burning down at 10% a year. This is where I have a problem in saying I would buy it for the dividend. Because yes, you're getting a dividend, which makes you feel good, but over time, there's a real risk that your capital value will outpace the get, what you're getting in the dividend. So uh, if we look at the forward estimate based on that, we're showing it uh, returning negative 11% a year, surprise, surprise, mm. going forward, including the dividend. Mm. If you buy it, so it's an absolute sell for me. The other thing is that the, the PE currently is 18.8, and for Telstra, that's in the top quartile of its range. The bottom quartile is 15. It, trains, it actually trades on a fairly tight range mm. on the PEs, mm. which yeah, it's stable, in long-term decline. So uh, we've done really, really well, by the way, out of the challenger telcos over the years. Mm. You know, so like used to be mine, mine phones and TPGs, yeah. and they all did well chomping away at Telstra and mm. making good yeah. money, doing things more efficiently. So to me, I can't see Telstra ke- uh, dancing again. Yeah. Okay, well, diversity of opinion there. So I'll sell there from you. Mm. All right, let's get back into the financials. And we're just talking about the banks there, obviously Macquarie. We're gonna take a look at Westpac and then NAB. So Westpac, uh, its latest result yesterday uh, dropped its cost target, flagged a slowdown in the economy, uh, importantly. Um, net interest margin expansion there, it's at uh, 10 basis points. Um, that's pretty much in line with expectations. Uh, interesting, I just started looking at some of the um, brokers there. Goldman Sachs reiterated a, a buy rating on it. So Mark, interested to see whether you agree? Uh, no, no. Yeah, right. <laughs> I don't agree. Um, basically, uh, the banks have not been good performers of late. I mean, they used to be terrific, but if you look at the cycle... Pre, Pre-GFC. Yeah, pre-GFC, that's right. Since then, it's been sad. Um, the, the problem is, the reason their net margin increases is because interest rates are going up. They're actually picking up a bit. Mm-hmm. So that's good. But on the other side of the equation, as interest rates go up, obviously they're going to have more and more provisions for bad debts and so on. And the question will be, will their margins increase enough that will outweigh what they're going to have to uh, provision on debt? Who knows? Yep. <laughs> Depends on your view of the real estate market. But I think, just to be fair, we are past the peak on, um, on real estate here. Which, and that's the, these guys are building societies. I know they have a business bank, but really the major banks are largely mortgage lenders, is what they are. And they're very, very exposed to uh, residential real estate. Um, even the business loans are secure with residential real estate. So, so um, I, I wouldn't touch it. The return on equity is below 10, which is our minimum. Uh, just for interest sake, Macquarie was 16. So way better. Um, it fails on a few of our key metrics. Um, and we're showing it returning negative 5% a year on the margin of safety and negative 1% on our default. So it's not, you're not going to go broke. Um, P is also a bit too high too. It's at 13, Mm. which is in the green. But if you look at the banks, they typically, if you could buy them less than 10 PE, you tend to do well. And if you pay more than 15, you're going to do really badly. And this is closer to the 15 than the 10. So for me, I would be just a pass. Not interesting. Or if you hold it, would you sell it? Uh, Well, I I, I, I couldn't hold it because 
yeah. uh, I would say there's better use for my funds elsewhere. All right, I'm going to call so, and yeah, sell that. Yes. Yeah. Okay, ready? Slightly different view, but that's because I'm, I'm thinking of, of, of a different type of investor. For those, and we mentioned Telstra earlier, for those who are looking specifically for income, I mean, um, I, I wrote a story yesterday, <coughs> and if you look at what, what's, what goes ahead, everything that Mark says is, is absolutely correct. But if you specifically look for the income, then I believe that the, 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 the odds of the banks having to cut their dividends this year or next year or the year after is actually not, not it's unlikely to happen, let's put it that way. So what you will see is, is, is movements in valuation and in share price, but they will, very typical, um, they increase their dividend, even though the, the overall report was disappointing. I mean, having said so, the reason why the likes of Goldman Sachs and other brokers often slap a buy rating on it is because they obviously think, and in, in, in Westpac's case, that is correct. They, op- they, they often think that the, the valuation gap between Westpac and the other banks is, is stretching out too far. Yeah? But I always look at the fundamental side, and I think well, there's a very good reason for that. Westpac, is at this point in time, is the laggard in the industry. Mm-hmm. I mean, the worst performing bank operationally should be the worst performing bank in the market. Yeah? Typical in this perspective is recently UBS selected 10 stocks for the next decade and they, they chose Combank. Yeah. Now I find that always very typical because I always say Combank is, is by far the best bank in Australia. And if you pick one for the next decade, you don't pick the cheapest one, yeah? mm. you pick the best one. Right? And I find that, uh, but anyway, if you own it for the dividend, and I think a lot of Australians will own it for the dividend, they, they, they can just stick by it. And I mean, and, and they, will, they, will, they will have their dividends uh, for years to come. If you're looking for total return, um, it's not going to be fantastic, I don't think. So is and, that there, and, and there are better banks than... Uh, I mean, on a relative basis, I would always prefer, almost always prefer Combank. And, and, and we are going to talk about National Australia Bank. I think National Australia Bank ranks definitely higher than that. Oh, all right. Well, m- much to Mark's point then. Would you then deploy it elsewhere or would you be holding that stock? Well, if I have it for the dividends, yeah. I'm probably just going to stay there. Mm. I don't care about what happens to the share price. But if I, if I look as an investor, my type, Mark's type, I'm not going there. All right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, all right. Well, let's pick it up then with the, another Next one of the big banks. banks. Nab. Okay. Australia Give banks. us your story. Uh, two ba- two best, the banks really have been split in two in Australia, the, the big four. Mm-hmm. You have ANZ and Westpac in the, in the naughty corner. And you have CBA and, and NAP in, 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 the, in the best performing corner, operationally and over a long, long term. So you would buy either National Australia Bank for a higher dividend, uh, a, a bigger skew in operations towards business lending, mm. and you would buy CBA for the next decade uh, because it is the best bank in Australia. And when I say that, it is by far the best bank in Australia. And one of the measures where you can measure that is by the investments made in technology. CBA has consistently over the years um, still paid out a high dividend, but consistently uh, has invested in technology. The other banks have to catch up, uh, and the expectation is that they might actually do that, start making doing that now while the times are a little bit better. Um, but in, in general, the story of NAB is not, is not that different. I mean, if we look back at history, um, the share price was 40 bucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has never <coughs> even been close to that uh, ever since. Uh, we're now happy if it, if it crosses the $30 mark and it stays there. Um, so again, it's not, it's not a fantastic investment, I don't think. Um, but if you, want, if, you want the, if you want a solid, dependable, reliable dividend payer, uh, NAP 
uh, could be in your portfolio. So okay. for that reason, you can buy it. Yep. And don't, and don't worry about the share price because yes, we will have pressure next year. Okay, all right, back to the dividend again. Mark? An interesting question is whether the ethical investing funds would buy NAB or Westpac. Uh, when I was reading the report yeah. this morning, you read about the, uh, yeah, the unconscionable conduct of the bank, mm. defrauding customers, charging for services not provided, and then being really tardy about fixing it and giving them the money back, and now they're going to get big fines. This is, yeah. by the way, yeah, yeah. I think mean, this is really bad. Mm. They're basically saying they're crooks. Yeah. So, yeah. so and, and it's greedy crooked, isn't it? It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's screwing, screwing. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I, I find that distasteful. If they can yeah. get money out of, out of a corpse, they will do it. Yeah, that's right, that's right. Now, going back to Rudy's point, though, if you look at the um, share price over time, NAB has been a shocker. And I think they've been the worst performing bank over the long term. Uh, compared yeah. to, and I agree with everything he said about CBA. Mm. However, CBA is very expensive at the moment. But that's, that's why. <laughs> I know, but it's too much. It's well, that's, a, that's a 20 PE. NAB's on 15 yeah, PE. Yeah. Remember we said last on that last it's discussion CBA. about 18? Westpac, yeah. the PEs are, are, are a relative measure yeah. with the banks particularly. Yeah. Um, so I wouldn't touch it either. And we're showing negative 7% return at the moment yeah. based on right. its current performance. Yeah. And, performance. and by the way, uh, NAB's EPS has been dropping at 8% average over the last six years. So it's actually not dissimilar to Telstra, not quite as bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, I'm not saying they'll go the same way as... No, um, probably not. But yeah, Telstra, but... Yeah. yeah, so no, it's a... I think we agree they are not fantastic businesses. No. Yep. All right, okay, let's uh, round it out. We're slipping behind, so we'll just uh, pick up the pace. Uh, Australian Financial Group... Uh, we'll be fast in the second half. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, the, the largest uh, mortgage-broking business, or one of the largest, I should say, uh, was claims to right, right around 10% of mortgages. Um, but... Then you bear in mind what's going on in a macro picture at the moment. Spoken about property, yeah. Mark, where yeah. it's going. How's that going to hit AFG? Uh, AFG is a quality business. Uh, all their numbers are really good. Uh, passes all of our all of our metrics and all our filters. Its EPS is growing at uh, 6.5% a year, and sales are growing at 3.1. Which means, and that's always you need to look at that because. If EPS is growing, earnings per share are growing faster than sales, it means they're extracting more, more profit out of the average dollar of sale, but it can't keep going forever unless you're a software business or something. Or, and, and, and they're a capital-like business, to be fair, apart from if they're you know, carrying mortgages on their own books. No. So it's not impossible, but I'm just mentioning that. Um, their return on equity is 34%, which is fantastic. Um, so I have to say it looks great. The ret- showing, as a return, we're showing 11% on a margin of safety and 22% on our default metrics, which is very good. So that, looking at it on Conscious Investor, I would say it's a buy. The PE is on 7.1, which is actually down at the bottom of the low bottom quartile of its range. All good. Mm-hmm. That's all good. The overlay then is your view on how, how much is the mortgage market mm-hmm. going to be affected because these guys are... Um, mortgage Mortgage brokers and they provide back-end services to brokers and securitized products. They're in the industry totally. Um, They do other commercial loans as well, other business finance. I'm not sure what the mix is because I don't know it it, that well. Um, I think think it looks pretty good. Uh, There's a fair, you've got a large margin of safety in this business, let's put it that way. So I think there's already a factor in there of the, um, the market assuming they're going to have some problems, so they've, the PE is at a seven, which is low for a company that's growing at about the same rate, you know, same earnings rate. So I'll say I'll say it's a buy. Yep. Okay. Ready? Question mark. Um, yes. Everything everything that Mark says is, is correct, but the market has obviously now priced in the uncertainty of what's going to happen with with mortgages next year, and we have we have some significant uh, resets starting in March, I believe. 
where a lot of people who thought they were very smart in 2020 with the fixed with the fixed and okay. that's going to run off um and that's obviously afg shows us what the question mark for the banks are as well i mean they have the, they have the same exposure essentially so while it has been priced in in afg it hasn't been priced in in the banks uh, for me, um, I'm not an expert in mortgages, um, so I don't know exactly how this can impact, but I, do, I can only observe that the, that the market has taken uh, the view that it's probably not good. Um, whether that means they can only surprise to the upside next year, uh, I don't know, but for me, uh, the, risk, the, the question marks are too, uh, too, too, too big for me. Unless it's cheap, but it's probably cheap for a reason here, because we don't know what next year is going to happen with consumer spending and with, uh, with, with mortgages. Um, so I prefer to maybe uh, scoop them up when, when the cycle turns and when I, when, I, when I feel there's less downside to be had in terms of when the disappointment hits. Um, so I'm, I'm more cautious here. Do you want me to say something else? Well, you were looking as though you wanted to say no, something no, else. No, not really. I think <laughs> the only thing I would say is that the, the problem with that thinking <laughs> is that the market's forward-looking. Yeah, so at yeah, the moment, yeah, yeah. the forward-looking is saying it's bad. That's true. That's so you're true. getting at the bad price. Yeah, yeah, if we wait true. till things turn, it won't be at 7 p.m. It'll be true. at 14. That is that's true. the only catch. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. Not, and, and, I, and I agree, I agree <laughs> yeah. with that. But, the, but the ob obviously, the obvious comment to make is that there are plenty of examples where you think that the share price looks cheap, and then it just becomes Magellan. cheaper. Yeah, for, for example. <laughs> <laughs> or happen. Yeah. <laughs> you could go on. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's sum up where we've been for the first half of the show. Be aiming our stock of the day. James Hardy uh, out with its uh, results this morning. Uh, Rudy has a hold on it, talking about a quality company. Likewise, Mark also has a hold on it, saying it's not expensive. Uh, so the stocks as picked by you, Macquarie, the big investment bank, a buy from Mark, saying it's got a history of making money. No reason why it shouldn't continue to do so. And uh, Rudy, highlighting also the, the excellent management and the culture of the bank, he's saying he's going to buy in parcels. Essentially, that's what Mark was saying as well, sort of a modest buy. Uh, Telstra, uh, it's a buy from Rudy, uh, you know, talking about the dividend mark, a sell. So a divergence of opinion on Telstra. To a couple of the big banks there, Westpac, a sell from Mark, uh, saying it fails key metrics uh, as far as his group is concerned. Uh, Rudy, um, the dividend there, once again, he's got a hold on it. NAB, a buy from Rudy, uh, and, but he does prefer CBA. And Mark saying, well, in fact, it's got the worst performing share price. It, he's, he's saying it's a no for NAB. And just finally there, Australian Financial Group uh, passes all Mark's filters, it's a buy, and Rudy would be looking to buy at a lower level, of course, factoring in where the housing market is going, given it is a mortgage broker. All right, let us check the portfolio. Uh, we are tracking our own high conviction fund. It's picked by our investment committee. The latest episode of that committee meeting is live for you to watch. So checking in on the update into November, Institute Pivot was removed, Seven Group was added, and mineral resources was trimmed. JB Hi-Fi and West Farmers weddings were increased. Uh, so how is it performing? To date, it's up around six and a quarter percent on a cumulative return basis since its inception at the beginning of March. So keep in setting your requests, keep the call switched on to see which stocks our committee will be looking at next. If you disagree with them, where well, you can talk to the man on my right, he is a part of that committee. Blame him. I'm only one vote. <laughs> what are you saying that you're uh, 
often oh, shattered absolutely. down. Yeah, yeah, no, it's not a shattered down. It's a, right. it's a, it's a threat. It's like, yeah, they vote, take, take a vote. I voted. Yeah, yeah, so it's not that it, what, we all agree to everything. No, well, it's not a cheery consensus, no, which is no, good. Well, it makes it interesting. Exactly, and that's what makes a market. At CMC, we've been in the game for a while, and although a lot of things have changed, our mentality hasn't. We aim to give experienced traders the best trading experience, like our expert platform with its second-to-none trading tools, plus our pricing is completely transparent. That's why people who've been trading for a long time stay with us for a long time. So if you're serious about trading, switch to the market leader trusted for over 30 years. Trade CFDs your way at cmcmarkets.com. You don't own underlying assets. Consider relevant PDS and TMD or information memorandum for CMC Pro accounts at our website. Yeah. All right, let's uh, catch up with the second half of the show. We're going to be looking at Rhythm Biosciences, Evolution Mining, Strandline, IPD Group and Phoenix Resources. So into Rhythm Biosciences, uh, so it's uh, got a Colostat, what it's called, it's a cancer detection product based in New Zealand, uh, has been registered there so it can be marketed and sold in New Zealand. Uh, so Colostat, it's a low-cost blood test to detect colorectal cancer. Um, so you can see obviously that is a growth area, it's the third most common cancer in men and second most in women in fact. Mark? Um, well, the, the pro the, it's listed in 2017, so the problem is this is pre-revenue. And I read, I read some of their, uh, their blurb, um, because I'd never heard of it before. And uh, they, it's, it's making about an $8.8 .8 million loss. Uh, market cap's about $244 million. So it's, it, but it's been losing money consistently. Uh, I read a bit about it, and they said that they are close to getting approval for the UK or something. So they, must be, they seem to be getting towards a pre-revenue point. So they're not selling anything yet. So... Um, we it's couldn't do it. I mean, that you can't deal with it. Yeah. It has to be fast as speculative because yeah. um, I have no idea what the market is. These, these are this. I like investing within my circle of competence, and bioscience isn't it. <laughs> um, but this we couldn't look at because there's no data. It's it's basically you've got to they've got to start selling it and getting results, and then seeing whether they make a profit before we could consider it. So uninvestable from my point of view. Because well, it's a binary outcome; either it works or it doesn't. Yeah, but it's a speculative yeah. speculation. Yeah. I can't, there's no way I can logically give you a probability on it. No. Okay. And also, even if their product is, is, is approved and it works on, then you get to the phase that they actually have to build a business around mm. it, mm. which um, history also shows you it's a lot more difficult than, than you think these things are. I mean, um, my view on this, and I'm, I'm with Mark on this one, Pre prior to today, I didn't even know these guys existed. Uh, which probably gives you an idea as well of wh where my interest stretches. Um, it's, it's, very, it's very simple. I mean, either you know something about this company um, that gives you an edge, and, and then, then you, can, you can take on these, these high speculative. Because in the share market, the difference between the share market and going to a casino is that in the share market, you can actually bend the odds in your favor by doing research and having knowledge. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can't necessarily do that on, on the race course um, but if you do that then or if you have that knowledge then you wouldn't be asking me and Mark here so if you don't have the knowledge stay away from it I mean you're just basically buying a lottery ticket and 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 there are so many different ways of, of, of making money in the share market on, on a m more advantageous risk reward uh, balance why would you go for these small idly piddlers that don't even have uh, revenue at this point in time and you don't know what's going to happen next year. 
All right, well, that's an emphatic no from both as far as rhythm bioscience is concerned. Right, let's uh, take a dive into resources, evolution mining in gold. Nick wanting to know about this. Uh, does have projects across Australia and Canada. And, of course, gold stocks have suffered this year. Uh, Rudy, uh, we have seen the gold price start to pick up, but I don't know whether you're a believer or not. formulating it in such a nice way. They've sucked this year. Yeah, that's true. I mean, if you're on Twitter, every every trader for for months has been But then, I mean, the gold price, it's it's counterintuitive. Give what's happened. You've no, had the outbreak really. of war. Not really. That'd be good well, for gold. Yeah, but ordinarily. But U.S. bond yields. Yeah, yield on, and also the U.S. Are, dollar. They are the, the yeah. dominant uh, where gold goes. So gold, together with with REITs in Australia and and potentially some of some of the technology stocks, they are basically the anti-central bank trade uh, at this point in time in the market. So yes, you can you can do all the research you want to do on, on individual stocks like an evolution mining or Northern Star and, and, and Zimbabwe, etc. But unless the macro picture uh, gives them room to rally, those, those uh, stocks will continue to disappoint. Now, the risks here are that they will continue to disappoint for longer because the Federal Reserve is by no means finished and, and, and we yet have to see how much still has to be priced in by the, by the bond market in the US. So gold stocks are in, in this bind, they can't move. It's almost like someone put a cement block yeah. uh, around their ankle. Now having said so, from the moment that picture changes and from the moment that treasury market in the US starts to anticipate the, the pricing in of the recession and the end of tightening by, by, by Powell and Co., these stocks could rally quite hard because they've been hold. It's almost like a balloon you keep on the water because they've been held back now for something like eighteen months. Uh, if they let loose, they will they will go. And mm-hmm. Just like some of those uh, reads will on the share market as well. So, gold stocks, yes, but you have to be patient and you have to consider it as as the as the, the contrarian trade here. You have to be patient. It will happen at some stage. Exact timing unknown. But you can sit on your gold stocks. They, they do pay a little bit of a dividend. Uh, they might fluctuate on a daily basis. And at some point, they will rally. But that might still be six months out. But, well, yeah, given where they have gone this year. They're, they're all cheap. They're all cheap. There's, no, there's not one expense. You're not willing to pick a bottom. Well, you, well, you, no, would you no. start accumulating now? Well, as I said, you have to do it for that reason, yeah. that, you are, that you consider you're patient. Yeah. And you take the view that at some point over the next 12 months, Exact timing unknown, mm. they will rally. Mm. And that's why you have them. And that's for that reason, yes, you can add them to your portfolio. And you can also add Northern Star and, and a few other ones, as long as they don't have operational problems, like, for example, the St. Barbara and yeah. some of the other ones. I mean, you try to avoid. Because what you also can do, see, I don't own gold producers. I own a little bit of a gold ETF, I mean, yeah. which is just, just, just a metal. I mean, nothing goes wrong on the production side. Nothing can go wrong on the production side. Less downside risk for me, but I will also have less upside. I mean, gold will not rally as hard as some of those producers. They yeah. will rally a lot harder. And that's why the producers are cheap, and gold is not, not going anywhere in, uh, in US dollar terms. But, so that's a strategy. And for that strategy, yes, you can. Add it to your portfolio. Uh, Evolution Mining, uh, second largest or third largest producer in, in, in locally. Mm. Yep. Sit on it <coughs> and wait. All right, Mark? Um, yes, I, I broadly agree with what um, uh, Rudy, Rudy said. And I think the other, the, what the good gold miners have going for them, which Evolution is a, good, is a good gold miner, it's a good business, 
is that they will leverage gold prices. If gold price goes up, let's say it breaks out and people lose confidence in the US dollar, it's going to happen one day. <laughs> so it's a question of when, and I'm not putting any timing on it. Then these gold stocks will really, really spike up because you know they're leveraged to the price of gold. They have their cost to, and I think they're like 900 or something a, 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 an ounce or something. So if gold's 2,000, they're making more or less 50%. Blah blah blah. If it goes up to 5,000, they're printing money. So there's a significant upside potential as a as a counter economic bet. You know, in other words, the status quo. Mm. So I think look. We don't t- tend to spend any time on them in Team Invest because we, you know, we don't like, generally we don't like commodities except for mineral resources. <laughs> so uh, companies, because, because the, um, uh, you can't know. Yeah. You know. And you could argue that it's been artificially held down, the prices, all sorts of reasonable scenarios which are pl- plausible. Um, but as a business, if you just look at it on what its returns are, it's EPS growth, and the share price has gone down dramatically over the last uh, 12 months, but the, uh, the growth rate's been uh, 12.3% a year average over six years. That's earnings, not share price. So yeah. the earnings are actually the opposite to that, uh, that share price graph. Mm. We like buying things based on earnings because at the end of the day, it will come back. Now at yep. the moment, they're at the bottom of their PE range. Mm. So, so that, that matches with that, that gels with that as well. Why the share price is low is because the market is only paying eight times mm. um, earnings. Uh, this is their profit uh, after tax, mm. so it's proper. It's proper money. And then I look at all their ratios, they're all good. So um, I think, and by the way, from a return point of view, we're showing margin of safety of about 6.5 and default of 35 per year. So uh, evolution has the potential to get very good returns from here. Uh, at the very, and we've got six as a base, really, really uh, conservative one. And it's paying about 2.8%, I think, dividend yield at the moment. And the dividend, by the way, at the moment, they're only paying out um, 24% where they have been paying up to 85%. So the dividends dropped over the last two years significantly. I'm not sure why, but they have historically paid more than that. Mm. Um, so it's 2.8 now. So there's, a, there's an income factor there, which really likes as well, which you don't get if you buy physical gold or an ETF. So it's a buy. If you like gold, if you like, if, if you like gold, yep. it's a buy. It's a good company. But would the same then apply to the other, the big two, Newcrest and Northern Star? Not Newcrest, because we don't like Newcrest. Without going into it, it's, uh, it's been a dog. Yeah, you know, since they went until here in New Guinea, and so it was just you know they mm. used to be good. Yep. Um, and, you, and Northern Star, I'm a shareholder in for a long time back, but I haven't looked at it for a long time, so yep. I don't have a big position. The the, the offset is we, we spoke about uh, cost inflation uh, with James Hardy earlier. Yeah. Gold producers have been have been very much hit this year mm. with cost inflation. Yep. So the offset is that you, you still run the, the risk that they have to come out and go like, listen guys, costs are higher and profits lower. Yeah. And the share price, of course, will respond. Yeah, we're going to have to look at power and also um, just trying to find yeah. um, workers at the moment too. Yeah. True, true. All true. right, let's um, stay in resources. Strandline, Michelle wanting to know about this. It is in the mineral sands area. In fact, it's uh, built its um, processing plant just south of Perth there. I think that's now online um, share price has um, in fact done well this year it's up 100 percent yeah um, it came from low yeah yes it did indeed but uh, mark let's first get your opinion then of strandline uh no um this is another pre-revenue yeah um company so uh, i did look at it and look they they've got they've got mineral sands in tanzania and wa which mm-hmm. is an interesting combination um, and their pre-revenue, they're about a half a billion dollar market cap, and they've got quite high debt. It's 94% debt to equity, which is a lot of money for a uh, a lot of debt for a pre-revenue company, by the way. 
So um, um, that's, that's above our ratios. We, we wouldn't even look at this. Mm. So whether, whether the business is going to make money or not, I have no idea because there's nothing I can deal with. Right. Okay. All right. <laughs> that's short and simple. Yeah. Um, ready? Yeah. Um, let, me, let me get down to the, to the basics. One, it's, it's yes, it's, it's very small. And I think that um, I, I mentioned the recession earlier. I think the recession, when it is being felt, a lot of those commodity sectors will do it tough. Yeah? Not everything is in lithium one coal. Um, so with that ahead of us, I think uh, you might, might want to be a little bit more cautious. The other thing well, is... Well, in fact, this one, I think, goes back into the home renovation side because it's it, mineral sands used in the likes of ceramics, which is like bathroom tiles and that sort of yes, thing. Yes, but last time I checked, the Chinese market wasn't in great shape at the moment. Mm. Um, the other thing is, often for those companies, it's, it's easier to be in the shares when they're not producing anything. From the moment they start producing, mm. then they run into trouble. I mean, oh, this machine doesn't work. Oh, we can't get the nameplate. Oh, we have higher costs. Oh, weather, whatever. So all of a sudden, problems start uh, accumulating. So that's one of the reasons also why you, why you don't want to be there when they first start producing, for starters. Um, and the other thing is, um, if you want to be in commodities, when tougher times come, go for the larger ones. Right? There's a reason why BHP and Rio are much more resilient than... Um, than Fortescue, for example. Uh, they're just larger businesses and they can absorb the challenges um, easier. So I wouldn't, I would, I would, I wouldn't, I would take my time for that one. All right. And not be in a hurry. Okay, moving on to uh, IPG group, IPD group, I should say. It's ticket code is IPG. Shane wanting to know about this one. It's sort of servicing the electrical industry, distribution, power monitoring, mm. uh, renewables, tests, measurements, and the like. Um, I've got to say, I had to have a look at it because I wasn't aware of this one, Rudy. It's because it's a relatively recent IPO. Yep. Um, I'll, I'll reel out my old, uh, my old rule. Uh, usually, I wait three to four years um, to show businesses their true character or what they're about. Like Mark sometimes refers back to six years. Um, and when you do that, for example, for let's say an AFG or James Hardy, then you also take into account that in those six years, there, were, there was not an, a downturn, right? Which can incredibly impact on, yeah. on the business legacy track record and, 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 and operations. I mean, I don't know how this particular business, I mean, it looks okay from the outside. It's very profitable, it, it grows every year. But it's also a very small business, and I don't know how it's going to cope with uh, with cost inflation and with all the other challenges that are, that are out there. So I, um, again, I would rather go for businesses where I'm more familiar with, unless I have specific knowledge that helps me in this one. For me, that's there's no specific knowledge. I'm, I'm cautious here, and um, I wouldn't venture into companies that have too many question marks. For me, young business, well, young in share market terms, yep. small. Um, for me, it's uh, too many question marks. And also, I, I think this morning I, I had a quick look. The volumes on the in the share price can be really, really low, hmm. and that for me help, would be it? like, oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you don't yeah. want to be in a lobster Can't pot. Can't be stuck in it. You don't yeah, want to yeah. be in a lobster pot. I mean? yeah, <laughs> Everyone right. can get in, but, but how we can get out? Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, for all those reasons you just mentioned, I have a sense that Mark um, is going to agree with you. He's not going to agree with. It. I agree with Rudy. Yeah. <laughs> so, do you so, want to add to that? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and going on, the, the, it's had one year of yeah. history, and it really is right, the numbers look fine for the one year. So, okay, great. Yeah, okay. Let's see what happens next year, the yeah. year after. We, right. By the way, we're minimum, 
four full years. Yeah. So not year of IPO. So it's five years if you include the uh, IPO. Six is, bit, six is optimal. Right. But we're happy with four full years mm. before we'll consider it. Because Rudy's right. You need time for management to be able to demonstrate, can they run this business well? Can they make money? Do they, are, they, are they honest and straight with shareholders? In, you know, all in, the, that good, stuff. in the good times, everyone is an excellent manager, yeah. no? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Okay, so that is uh, well, pretty much an avoid from both for IPD Group. All right, finally, let's wrap it up with Phoenix Resources. Um, Jake, what do you know, saying, it looks so good that it makes me suspicious there are some problems that I'm not aware of. Well, I'm just trying to make sense of that because the share price <laughs> yes. is certainly negative. Um, in fact, it fell off a cliff somewhat back yes, a couple of months ago. Well, it has followed, I would argue, it has followed the, the price of iron ore. Yeah, well, that's what it is. It's a junior mm. iron ore producer. Um, so, Mark, and on that basis, I know what you're going to say, um, given it's junior, and uh, why would you go at the small end when you go to the big end? Well, well, actually, I've never heard of it, so I had a look at it, and I right. actually looked at their uh, reports to the ASX and so on. And it, it's interesting because they, they were actually into van, van, vanadium and manganese, and they had a, a project called Beyondi, like as in B. On Bondi, <laughs> Beyond no. anyway. Beyondi, they owned 80% and they're selling that off and they're focusing on their iron ore. Now the iron ore doesn't look very substantial. I saw reports on two lots of roughly 10 million yeah. uh, metric tonnes proven, but a very high FE. So it's a yeah. high, high quality uh, iron ore resource where they're getting above the average yeah. price and they're yeah. selling it. So they've only been making money for, I think it's like, uh, don't quote me, but two years. Mm. So they've got two years since they've got the iron working. Um, the, the interesting thing with this business is it's got a market cap, I think, of about, uh, where are we, 100 million, 108 million. Two, but two they chickens have, and three apples. Yeah, and they've got $100 million cash on their balance sheet. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. Mm. So they've virtually got the full value of yeah. the listed shares on their balance sheet in cash. Well, that sort of, that, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. So then if you look at it and you go, well, okay, so that's, I'm reading more now because you got me interested in it, even though <laughs> it's only got two years of profit. Um, its earnings are actually really high. So it paid a dividend, I think, of 24% mm. this year. So you get a 24% yield. Now, the downside is exactly what Rudy said. This is a small plant, small niche operation. It's got a little trucking business as well to deliver their own iron. I read the story. This is a little company, you know, but it's a nice little company. Uh, and it's making money. And because they've got a high grade, they don't have big deposits, but they reckon it's very prospective, of course. They always say that. Um, and maybe it is. And it's on a PE of 2.3. So the thing that sort of grabbed my attention was the $100 million cash on mm. the uh, balance sheet. Sort of, I think not, it's not a team invest business. Yeah. And if you want to speculate on mining shares and stuff, this mm. is a good little spec buy because it's got good fundamentals underlying it with that, without the history. I like the $100 million cash. Um, it's a speculative buy, but not team invest saying this. Yep, okay. All right. Would you go that far, Rudy? Well, let, let the cautious Rudy say, or rather, if I if I were to go for for iron or, or manganese or whatever, but I would probably vanadium. Yeah. I would mm. probably go for South Thirty Two or BHP or Rio. Sure. Yeah. Because it protects me more to the downside. It gives me still, because the dividends that are still upcoming from those companies are, are, are quite high still. Mm. Yes, you can make. Here's the thing. Yes, you can make more profits out of these small guys, but you can also lose a lot more yeah. because they are, by nature, more speculative. Um, so I would say the one thing that caught my attention is they are high, high up in the in, in the food chain, yep. uh, which a lot of the smaller miners are not, and that's why they, they get a lower lower price for their lower lower price. You'd, you'd think these guys would be a target to get acquired. Yeah. 
Ah, they're probably too small. It might even be too small for I anybody. think they're just really too small. They did, I mean, unless the, they can the prove up their reserves. The, the CEO at, at BHP uh, spends oh. more on his annual lunch than. than <laughs> 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 All right. Uh, on that note, let's uh, let's wrap it up. Um, I don't know. We didn't do didn't do too well in the second half, but uh, well, of course that. That's what the show's about. Uh, recommendations, a, yes and no. We are the contrarian buy. Indeed. All right, because we start, started with Rhythm Biosciences, which no one was really terribly familiar with. That is based in New Zealand, but uh, is in that, uh, that biotech area. Uh, so it's a no from both. Uh, Mark pointing out it is losing money, and it is purely speculative. Evolution Mining in the gold space, a hold from Rudy uh, with, well, he still perhaps talk, talking about an ad at this point too. It is a buy. From Mark, um, Strandline in the Mineral Sands projects, uh, no saying it's, uh, well, a no from both, essentially. Mark pointing out pre-Rooney, Rudy, too small. Uh, IPD Group, no from both. Uh, it's relatively newly listed, so just way too early as far as Mark's concerned. And uh, Phoenix Resources there to finish up. It's uh, Mark's interested. Uh, so he's calling it a speculative buy, given it's uh, 100 mil market cap and 100 mil cash at the moment. Um, but Rudy's saying, look, it's just too small. He would go elsewhere to the bigger guys. All right. So that is our show today. Uh, thanks to our guests. Rudy from FNRE. Happy to be here. Yep. Always great to have you here. Mark, also from Team Invest. Thanks for joining Fabulous. us. Thanks. All right, coming up on the Small Caps, Chief Executive Kelsian, uh, Clint uh, Furthead, uh, he joins us to discuss the business's two new 10-year contracts with Shell and Santos. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on.